0: We all carry smartphones in our pockets, which are basically mini computers, right? And, you know, each release cycle, we talk about how great new features are, and this feature is good for Apple, and this feature is good for Samsung. But what happens when two people who have had a lot of experience with many different phones sit down and talk about what would create the best phone, their dream phone? And that's exactly what we're going to do today on Jason Squared. I am Jason Cipriani, I have Jason Perlow here with me, and we're gonna dive right into a list we've kind of come up with loosely and talk about what features we wanna see in a dream phone, if we could pick and choose from each vendor. So Jason, you know, I, I've been going down the list of things that I've been
1: kind of, you know, complaining about the last six months or so when it comes to Apple, um, and um, you know, it. The the biggest c- complaint that I have so far is you know the the the, the lack of the, of the USB-C uh, connectivity. Um, the entire industry has effectively gone USB-C on all the Android devices. Um, I would like to finally get rid of those. I mean, we finally got rid of the darn mic- the micro USB connector, which Thank is you. an incredibly f- garbagey, fragile connector. I hated the fact that you know late at night, you know, I wanted to charge something and like, you know, you try to insert it, you know, and and then they end up breaking the thing off or damaging the connector on the phone. It was awful. The Apple lightning connector is a a fairly nice connector. I mean, you can insert it in and out, you know, fairly easily at night. Um, You know, if you, you know, just you pull it out of your bag and you're ready to go. Right. Um, But I, I do have to say that having two different charging cables, you know, I mean, I have. I mean, most people, I guess, aren't. I mean, you have mixed families, right? You know, you have mixed marriages of people that are Apple people and Android people, right? right? Yeah. You know, and you have to. You have to. You know, you have car chargers where you have to swap cables if you don't have dual outputs, or you have to. You know, it's a it's a pain in the ass to keep two two different types of cables. I would love to be able to standardize on the USB-C cable that is being used on every single Android device. And, and lots of other um, consumer electronic devices.
0: Yeah, I agree. The, the thing with Lightning is it's proprietary. If you want, if a vendor wants to create an accessory that works with it, Apple has to approve through its made for iPhone program that, that insert, you know, they have to certify that accessory or that cable.
1: That MFI, those MFI cables are so much more expensive.
0: Right, yeah, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. It adds to the cost. But let's not forget fast charging. Right? USB-C allows fast charging. Samsung just started shipping the Note 10 and Note 10 Plus with 25 watt charger, and yet Apple still has that Measly 5 watt charger that they include in the box with all iPhones. We need a little tiny little brick that five little that little white thing. Yeah, it's and if you want something that charges faster, you have to buy a 29-watt brick from Apple, which is you know 60-70 bucks, plus a USB-C to lightning cable. Why do I have to do that? usb c across the board, and we've talked about this before in past videos, USB-C as a whole, the standards for it are kind of messy. So I think someone like Apple adopting it and kind of pioneering or pushing forward what a industry-wide standard should be will kind of level the playing field and we won't have all the issues with, you know, not every fast charger works with the Note 10 because the standards are all over the place. So we definitely need someone to push forward that narrative or that, that standard, not narrative.
1: Yeah, um, and Apple's charging bricks. I gotta be. I gotta tell you, are like dinosaurs, right? I mean, you get the the third, the, the 29 watt is like this big, right? The single output, and then there's the 60 watt, which is like this big, right? It's yeah. like it's a, it's a it's a brick.
0: Yeah, none of it makes white Brick, yeah.
1: and if you compare it to what Anchor has, Rat Power has with their, I've got the name of the technology that's used to to make the the, the um the transistors smaller or the or the uh, the power pack actually smaller. But it the the, this, the ultra flat you know these tiny little chargers that can deliver 30 watts or more output with the USB-C connection, they're great. To, I mean, I I have my little you know extra small tote bag that I use for grabbing all my gadgets on the go, and you know it fits in like this tiny. It fits in like this much space. Yeah, it's flattened with, with the you know with the uh, with the receptacle and all that, so they they don't take up a lot of space at all in your bag. You can always have that 30 watt or 60 watt charger with you. Um, so I, I think that they, it's time that they finally upgraded their game in, on their on their chargers.
0: Yeah. So ideal phone starts with USB C connector. What about camera? What do you what do you want to see in a camera on your dream smartphone? So you know, right now
1: we've been seeing the industry sort of standardize, or rather, move towards multi camera setups, right, to, to to play all sorts of games with with different types of depth of field. Um, I think that we definitely need to have the, the, the time-of-flight sensor uh, integrated into iPhone. Um, that's something that all their competitors are doing. Samsung's doing it. Huawei's doing it. OnePlus is doing it. I don't know who isn't doing it at, that, at this point at that $600-plus price range. Everybody has that 3D depth TOLF sensor. Um, Apple doesn't have one. Um, also, all that imaging stuff, all those advanced imaging technologies, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning stuff on the device that we've seen for Pixel 3 and Huawei with night mode. I mean, Apple's so behind the game with that. It's not even funny. Um, we also ha- cannot downplay what Google offers in terms of Google Photos with their cloud-based image manipulation capabilities. Um, sure. I use it on the iPhone, and it's, it's fantastic. Um I use I I use Google Photos as my standard iPhone, you know, uh gallery system just because iPhone's built-in stuff just isn't as good when it comes to image manipulation and and cloud uploads. So I'd like so, to see Apple upgrade their, their their cloud service significantly for that for that purpose.
0: Yeah, I recently just actually switched away from Google Photos to Apple's uh iCloud Photos. But that that's a whole nother issue and whole nother topic. But for for my dream smartphone, honestly, I think I would go with the sensor setup that's in the Note 10 Plus or the S10 Plus. They're virtually the same. Um, and, and the reason is, and yeah, I carry an iPhone primarily every day, but the pictures for me personally that come out of the Samsung devices, they're a little bit more saturated automatically, you know, by default, just the way they've tuned their sensor. They look amazing to me. And, you know, I get more people asking me, hey, if I post like this last week, I went fishing, took picture of the lake posted it and i had people messaging me what phone did you take that picture on i could post 100 iphone pictures and not one person is ever going to message me and say what phone did you take that picture on and i'm not out looking to win awards for my photos most of my photos are of random stuff around the house i need to remember or you know pictures of my dog or my kids but i want a reliable camera and i agree the time of flight and the quantum dot imaging stuff that's coming Hopefully later. That would be
1: awesome, but it's not a requirement, you yeah. know.
0: Right, yeah. But so give me Samsung's camera setup that has the wide angle built in. Apple doesn't have that right now. No, Google yeah. doesn't have that right now. I love being able to zoom out on a photo and not just zoom in. Like so give me basically essentially the Note 10 plus camera setup in a phone, and I'm gonna be more than happy.
1: Yeah, you know what though? I- I, I take a lot of food photos, so a lot of semi-macro close-ups. And what I've noticed is that when it comes to taking portrait mode type of, you know, uh, depth of field type of photographs, or what Apple was calling bokeh, and and you know, in, in their last, you know, major rollout, I think that bokeh effect is really it. It, it isn't handled nearly as well on on iPhone in most photography conditions than what I'm seeing with the Pixel 3. I mean, I, I pull out my Pixel 3 more often than my iPhone to take photographs because I know that the end result in terms of what, what I'm looking to have, highly realistic looking photographs, you know, with, with that striking depth of field difference um, is gonna look better on, on, on Google's hardware. Now, I don't know why that's the case, right? Because they're both got excellent set quality sensors. It's
0: all great. their machine learning. They do a ton of processing.
1: There's a lot of onboard processing occurring on that phone. At, at, from Google, and I don't know how much it's offloading to their cloud. I don't think we'll ever completely know how they do it, but there's there's definitely some some special you know offload and off, on loan and offloaded processing occurring magic on the Google side um, that I really think you know Apple needs to start investing more in those type of technologies. Um, I you know I I can take you know the same picture with of, of a piece of food with the iPhone and then take the exact same distance and perspective with, with the Pixel Three. And it'll just look forced and weird on the iPhone. Yeah, and, you know. And, I, and I've also taken selfie photos. Um, I do take a lot of selfie photos re- lately uh, with myself and my wife when we go out to dinner and stuff. And Then on, I see this very weird effect with like my glasses. Oh yeah, makes your
0: head curve. Half
1: of my, you know, the stem will fall off, and it looks like the, it looks like, like the, the lens is floating in space. Yeah, some weird things that happen with selfies with Apple that i, I I'd like to get fixed. Um, but I, look, I think they can do it. It's just a question they're going to have to invest some money and time. Um, and I think they're going to have to aqua hire some people um, in order to do that.
0: Yeah, so let me clarify. I guess I want Samsung's camera setup with Google's processing power, <laughs> Apple's iCloud photo service. That's what I would want in my dream phone. That would phone. be pretty killer. I have to admit that. So I already know how you feel about this one. You know how I feel about this one. But as far as authentication methods on a dream phone, I want to stick with face ID. I don't care if you put an ultrasonic fingerprint sensor underneath the display. Give me facial recognition all day long.
1: I like having the facial recognition. I just don't think it's a perfected technology yet. Hmm. Um, part of it has to do with the way that um, the attention works on, the, on how your eyes are looking at the sensor. Now let's, let's, let's get down to brass tacks here. The 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 advanced forward facing sensor array thing is here to stay and the other vendors are copying. from what we know about the Pixel 4, it has a very similar technology set up on the front.
0: It should more it, or less be the same. Yeah. It should more or less be
1: the same. How their algorithms, you know, handle, you know, the, the facial geometry mapping and how eye attention works and, and all that stuff, they might implement it a little bit differently, but for the most part it's gonna be a very similar type of a system. Yep, I don't expect to be perfect either, right? So I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna hold Google to it if it's just as junky as, as the iPhones. Uh, I wouldn't call it junky, but okay. Okay, so I still want Touch ID back. I want it back just because a, a couple of reasons. One is like you know when you're dealing with like purchases on this thing, and you want to go buy something from from the App Store. And then you have to like you know, the double click on the button to confirm and all that, it, and, and you miss hit it. And like, especially if you're in a case and it's rubberized and it takes multiple tries, it's, it annoys me. I just want to hit the button, hold my finger, and have it work, right? We should have multiple methods of authentication available to us. We should have face ID, we should have touch ID, we should have key, the key, uh, key code pin code right as yeah. many methods is possible right because if we have two or three methods of authentication the more secure that transaction is going to be so i definitely think it should come back um i would prefer to be on the back because i think that's a natural position for the finger to be in right but if it's in the front like it is on my huawei right or, or on, on a samsung you know underneath the screen um, I think Apple supposedly is working on where if you touch it anywhere on the screen, it'll read your fingerprint. That's my understanding. Is what they they may have filed for some patents for that. But regardless, it's it's a it is a good form of authentication. It's a fast form of authentication. When it comes to things like purchases, I think it's a more natural way of interacting with the user experience than your faces, the way that they have it now. Um, I think that the button click thing is kind of a clutch when it comes to, to, to the purchases. Well, I really- I especially hate it on the iPad because the iPad, you know, you have to hold this big thing and then you have to click over here while you're looking at it. You know, if you had a fingerprint or something, you know, it would it would it would just be just be more natural.
0: Yeah, you're still reaching for the device either way. You said that you have a hard time pressing when you have a case. I'd argue you have the wrong case on your phone then. But so Face ID for me has been not flawless, but I enjoy that or I respect that I'm able to teach it each time it fails, right? So if it fails, I can enter my passcode, it re—it uses that last scan and relearns what to look for on my face, you know, if I shave or I'm wearing a hat or sunglasses, whatever else. Now that said, if Apple, the rumors that Apple has a, a fingerprint sensor that's the entire display, um, if that is proven technology and it's reliable, hey, that's fine with me as well, but give me the face ID, I don't wanna have to worry about where exactly I'm placing my finger. Um, And I just wanna be able to glance at the phone and unlock. I don't have any issues with face ID. I'll use it all day long. But I guess that kind of brings us to the next item on the list, which is display technology. And I'm not talking OLED versus LCD, all that stuff. I think displays are pretty much on par across the board for everyone right now, as long as it's a flagship smartphone. Um, And you could really get off into the weeds talking about saturation and tuning and whatnot. But More specifically, what we're talking about is hole punch, notch, um, you know, all these other ways that companies are working around, including a front facing camera and Face ID into look, a smartphone. I
1: think we, we can agree that everybody hates this thing, right? Nobody likes the notch. It's It, it looks odd, you know, it, and, you know, look, I understand, look, I understand why Apple needed to put this notch here because there's, there's, there's like seven sensors on this thing, right? Uh-huh. So they have to have that opening there. Now, the question is, can they figure out how to make it go through the screen, right? Um, the other question is, do we want to replace that notch with that hole punch or do we want to also have um, you know pop up cameras for selfies. Now I don't think Apple's going to do a pop up camera. It's not it's not in their DNA to do something that's that's kind of semi cludgy, you know, you know mechanical like that. You know, that's something that you see out of Android vendors. So hole punch you know I've seen I've seen it on the Note 10 um, technically uh, the Huawei, I like the way that the Huawei P30 does it. You know, it's not like punched straight through the screen. It's just kind of like this tiny little nubbin notch on the top, which right. I think works very well. I think that would be great um, for Apple to do. But then, of course, it had to do something with the other sensors, right? Where, where do you place them? Where do you put them? Um, you know, there's an awful lot of sensor technology on the iPhone that most people don't realize is actually there. You know, the stuff, all the stuff that handle facial geometry and also proximity sensing and all that stuff, is integral to the way that their authentication mechanisms and stuff work. So I don't know how easily they're gonna be able to get around that notch. Maybe they just make a whole black bar all the way across the top, you know. And
0: yeah, then, then we're back to huge bezels on a phone though, which back we're back to big on on our phone. Yeah, and, and the phones are gonna look old instead of new. Um, I think for me, dream phone, so we, we're allowed to take liberties here, I would assume, is everything under the display, right? bezeless phone, more or less. Um, put all those sensors under the display. You know, you have the quantum dot projector, which I think is thirty-five thousand dots. It projects on your face that the cameras yeah. then scan and read to uh, map your face, make sure it's you, since Face ID is so great. And, and so, I really, I really would love to see it all put under the display. At if, but if we're going to go with what's available right now, I'm perfectly okay with using the hole punch or the double wide hole punch or whatever that is, the cutouts, uh, especially with the way Samsung has kind of embraced those cutouts. You know, if you switch to the front facing camera, the lighting around the hole punch, there's, you know, a, a cool little animation. And they've instead of hiding from it, they've kind of said, hey, yep, we had to cut a hole in the display. Here's where your camera is. Let's have fun with it. And, and I truly appreciate that approach to it. So Jason, here's, here's a little
1: subject that, that I'm very touchy on, you know, with all this gadgetry and stuff and making these really big, gorgeous front, you know, all glass fronts. And, all, and a, it is a, a durability compromise. True. But let's face it. If you're walking around naked with your iPhone, and I, a naked iPhone is not a good thing. I mean, you basically will trash your iPhone on the first day you own it. My wife would absolutely trash it the first day she owned it if she used it caseless. Okay. Um, I happen to like, you know, these these OtterBox and life proofs, right? And I get a lot of water and stuff. Um, But this is really the only way you're gonna keep this thing from getting destroyed. So any sexy aspect of this phone's design, right? Look, It's a great looking industrial design, it's gorgeous. But the reality is most of us really do have to use cases the second that we buy it, right? Um, And honestly, why doesn't Apple just change the game, right? I mean, I remember when Samsung had the Galaxy Active, and I don't think they ever announced a new version of the Active for the S10. I don't know how popular a phone it was.
0: Yeah, it was mainly a business phone. It was
1: mainly a business phone, but it didn't need a case. No, it had a a case built into it. The the high-impact case was on it, and it actually reduced the bulk of the phone with a case because it had it integrated into, into the phone's casing, right? Right. So I think... Um, Apple should do because they have, you know, this this sort of this trend with watch, right? A sports version, you know, a, a sports version of the iPhone that is already protected. You don't have to go out and buy ninety dollar life proof cases um, for this thing. And yeah, you know, I, I think they can do something with industrial design to make it not look like a brick. I think they can make it look like, like a, a sexy sports sports device, right? I don't know, partner with Nike or something, you know, w- whatever it is, you know, make it, make it bright yellow or, you know, whatever for, you know, whatever you want to do, something, some cool color combination specific to sporting, but they can make a, I wouldn't call it ruggedized, but a more durable active version of the iPhone. I would buy that in a New York second.
0: So I see the argument. I appreciate it, but I don't agree at all. Um, This is my one-year-old iPhone XS Max without a case the entire time. I hate cases. I hate the bulk, I hate the added weight. I, you know, I I've, I think I've only ever broke one phone, um, which now that I say that, I'll probably break this. You've this. never dropped your iPhone 10S Max? Um, I, I, no, I haven't. I have not.
1: never slipped off, cat hasn't jumped onto your table, knocked no. it off.
0: No, I mean, maybe off the couch, onto the carpeted floor, but. You know,
1: you have carpet. See, Florida, we don't have carpet. We have tile floors.
0: Well, that's a big difference. But even at that, that's what Apple Care Plus is for. I I have never enjoyed using cases ever. They, They add, they take away from what the phone should look like, what it's designed to look like. And I just despise the bulk. But that said, I get it. A lot of people, majority of people, I would imagine, put a 60- $100 case on their phone the moment they buy it to protect their investment. It's a lot of money. So should there be another option? Sure, but is it in my dream phone? Not even close, not even close. Um, So let's go on to the next topic. And I think we could probably combine these two into one, and that is operating system, and more specifically, iMessage. So for me, iMessage across the board should be on Android, whatever platform, no it, it needs no to be there dream phone has to have iMessage but i think dream operating system is kind of a mixture of android and ios
1: uh uh-uh. uh-uh. so do you want
0: you want ios to be
1: more android-like
0: yeah i wouldn't mind that at all i love the flexibility that android provides with widgets I know, widgets, oh my God. So, But I also like that I can assign default apps. Why can we not assign default apps in iOS? I agree,
1: that's, 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 that's a serious weakness.
0: Look, it's my phone, I own it, let me use it how I want. They're you know, they already handicapped browsers in forcing them to use WebKit instead of being able to use their own engine. Like Chrome is just using Apple's WebKit, it's basically a skinned version of Safari, more or less. Let me use it. Let me set Chrome as my default browser if that's what I want to do, or oh, Outlook as my
1: default. Oh, actually, the new version of Edge that 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 just came out today for for Mac is a wonderful browser. I'd love to see it ported and, and usable on, on
0: on iOS. But there's no incentive to do that because they have to use the same WebKit.
1: Yeah, that stinks.
0: It just you know, um, but so yeah, I I want to see them more or less merged and melded together, taking some of the best features, but not eliminating the security and the reliability that is iOS. Android still has performance issues, you know, still has their uh, vulnerabilities that we see, you know, or apps getting through the Play Store that shouldn't have been there. All of that, put that aside, and then keep Apple security and reliability for iOS. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, the more flexibility you add, the more complexities you introduce into the system, right? So uh, I like the fact that, uh, that iOS is simple, easy to navigate, um, and the, the more features they've added into it, the more of a, of, a, of a mess, quite frankly, the control panel and the settings area has been. I mean, now you have to deep dive in that settings to find stuff three layers down, you know? It's complicated. Um, sure. I, I think that they're going to have to do a complete UX overhaul on iOS um, to, 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 to clean the whole thing up. Because I, I think there's just been so much additive stuff and features that have been done in the last, you know, four versions of iOS. I think this has all started around iOS 10 or something like that. You know, now we're on 13. You know, we're, 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 it, it's complicated. There's, there's there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts inside I and mean, it's at least as complicated as the mac operating system now in terms of configuration op- options and things that in the control panel there's a lot of hidden stuff in in finding some stuff finding what you need to find and knowing how to find it right it has been a challenge so well, I agree that I would like to see some more flexibility with things like, yeah, default launched applications. You know, like this is my default mayor client. I want it to be Gmail or I want it to be Outlook or whatever. Those type of things. I want my default, you know, uh, photos app to be uh, Google rather, rather than, than, than photos. Whatever it is, those things should be there but as far as like a million different widgets and stuff you know i mean i'm a little afraid of that already happening in ipad os you know of, of of them turning it into a full blown desktop operating system i don't know i'm all, all for it that.
0: the new home screen with the today view love it i think it's tremendous
1: you like it yeah okay so yeah i mean i think i think we're there you know like i i think a lot of these things these are these are sort of very much Things that Apple can easily accomplish, but they have to have the wherewithal to do it. And I just think Apple is just such a stubborn company that getting them to to sort of change gears, right? You know, they've had a changing of the guard to some extent. You know, Joni Ive has now gone off with his own industrial design company, but he will still be very much uh, brought in to help them implement things in future products. I don't see him going. I don't see Apple going away as a major account for his design firm anytime soon. So the, the question is that on the software side, um, you know, and some of the other hardware engineering aspects that we've ta- been talking about, um, th- these would be big decisions for the company to have to make because it means that they would be capitulating somewhat to uh, their competition to some extent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Jason,
1: all of these things are great. You know, I, I think you, you and I differ in a, on a couple of, of areas, but not a hell of a lot, to be perfectly honest. No. Um, you know, we're going to see what happens with Apple um, in September. It looks like September 10 or so might be the, the big reveal day. We don't, we don't quite know yet, but I think we'll probably know in the next week or so when that date is. Um, yeah. We're going to be seeing the Pixel 4 coming out also in, in a very similar time frame, not, not long afterwards. So it'll be interesting to see – um, did Apple one up Google before Google released their new device or is Google's device yet again, going to trump them on, on features and, and capabilities um, that will be very interesting to see. And, and of course the five G aspect is another thing that that's going to be, you know, hanging it's uh, like a big inspector um, over this launch event. I don't think Apple should have a five G iPhone this early in the game personally. I don't think they need
0: one. No, not yet. Not yet. We're not there.
1: Agreed. Well, that's J2 for you guys uh, this week, uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in.